0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining, an entertaining chat. Today, I'll be talking to Dan Wallace. Dan, welcome aboard.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. And so the first exposure, I guess I should say, that I've had to you and your work uh, was actually by way of Star Wars, and it was the Jedi Path book uh, that you did. How, How long ago was that now?
1: I think, and I'm just saying this off the top of my head, but I think the Jedi Path came out in 2010, so uh, as of this moment, that would be about uh, five years ago, so yeah. so yeah, a while ago.
0: Yeah, that was my first exposure to you and your writing, and, and it, I love it because I'm just someone through the book again now, and it's just, it's one of those things that it's written from the in-universe perspective, right? And you have like the little notations from different people and things that have had it in the past. And I, I, as you go on in these other books that you've done, like the, the Bounty Hunter book and the Imperial, uh, Imperial Handbook as well, uh, those are just – I love the way they're written and the way that they look and the aesthetic of them. I think you do a really good job with these books.
1: Well, thank you. I, I, it was a lot of fun to do those because a lot of the books that I've written um, – I have written a lot of books, but most of the books that I've done I've written for Star Wars, written for Marvel. Comics, uh, DC Comics, um, uh, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Warcraft, a lot of stuff. But most of the stuff that I do is nonfiction. It tends to be more of the let's explore the workings of this as opposed to let's tell a new adventure in this particular universe. Um, The Jedi Path and the sequels that you're talking about were kind of a hybrid. They're nonfiction books. Like the Jedi Path was basically like what if the Jedi had a textbook in the Jedi Temple? And what would that look like? And what would a used copy of that look like? Like, uh, what if uh, Obi-Wan had had a copy when he was a Padawan and then he had passed it down to Anakin, and then Anakin had passed it down to Ahsoka, uh, you know, and they had all kind of doodled, doodled in it when they had it. What would that actually look like? And and so it's a, it was kind of a nonfiction book because we're talking about facts. You know, we're talking about the Force and the, the lightsaber combat and things like that. But at the same time, we're talking about... Um, uh treating as as if it's real so the writers of the textbook were real you know I came up with a list of like a half a dozen writers like all right well the comment section is written by this person and this is their background and their attitude toward the following is this and so I tried to get in, into their skin so it, it really was kind of like writing a fiction book because you're really putting yourself into the mindset of the the characters as they're writing it so um, so it's a lot of fun, and, and you know, and people really seem to like the Jedi Path. And then we did Book of Sith, which was the opposite. <laughs> and, then we, and then we did uh, Bounty Hunter Code, which was kind of the middle ground. I was like, uh, Yay! This is you know the gray, the gray side, light side, dark side, and gray side. And then the most recent one was Imperial Handbook, um, which is you know kind of an obvious one. We always, I, I always, e- even back when we were doing the Jedi Path, it was like. Should we do a Jedi book or should we do an Empire book? You know, And so finally we did the Empire book. And then uh, um, we kind of took a break from the series because of the new movie coming out. But hopefully at some point I would love to just come back to the series and it, it, particularly with the new movie coming out. And maybe there's maybe there's something we could do with the resistance in the First Order or something like that. But uh, TBD.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of time to work within that frame. So, I mean, I'm sure you could have a, a plethora of books for the Resistance or, you know, the other factions that are announced now, too. So, I mean, I love—I'm thumbing through the the book now for the Imperial Handbook. And, first of all, I love the black print and the the edges on the pages are black, too. It just—it looks very Imperial, right? And it's just the, a great aesthetic to have. Um, and when you look at the the imagery and stuff in these books, too, it's actually— Really cool because you have all those full pages and stuff that have, you know, it looks like people have circled and written their handwritten notes in there. But also, it has the pictures of you know the the different uh, factions in their armors and things like that. It's really cool. I like. I mean, I appreciate these books really well for for the artistry. It's it's they're really when you look at them, and you said you kind of writing them as a textbook, and they are very reminiscent of you know going to school. Uh, and having those textbooks and kind of going through that. I, I, I appreciate the the presentation that you put into these.
1: Yeah. And actually you bring up a really good point, which I wanted to make because I'm the writer of these books, but at the same time, a lot of the appeal of them comes from the design. And uh, so I want to give credit to the designers at uh, uh, Becker and Mayer as a company that puts this together uh, Rosanna Broccoli, I think is the been the lead designer on, on almost all of these books. And so, when you pick up these books, it, it really is something that you said with the Imperial Handbook. The cover is black and it's shiny, like mm-hmm. it's very sleek, and you can rub your fingers over it, and it's like f- very smooth, right? And then the edges of the pages are completely squared off, mm-hmm. like a, like completely ninety degree angle, like like just on the nose, and it's and and it's uh, shiny and black and all that. It's very military. It's very precise. And then when you look at the um the bounty hunter code is it's it's not that at all it's rough yeah cuz this these are bounty hunter you know this is something that Boba Fett's been carrying around for for decades you know mm-hmm. so it's all kind of beat, beaten up and then the Jedi path is kind of the same way like it's it's sort of a warm copy like like it's old you know you you don't have the first press printing you know this is something that's been passed down for a long time and then my favorite was the the book of sith which was when we started to write the book of sith it was the Sith would not have a a textbook in the same way that the Jedi have a textbook. So it was like, we want to do a Sith version, but we don't, you know, having the, the Sith path wouldn't make sense. Like, they wouldn't have a textbook that they would give to all their students and so on. Like, that's too formalized mm-hmm. for them. Uh, so what we ended up doing instead was the idea of uh, Book of Sith was that it was Palpatine. Uh, Darth Sidious, who had who had sort of compiled his own his own book of Sith. You know, this was his beliefs of the the most important teachings from other Dark Side masters. So basically, he had taken I think uh, five different texts and basically he had ripped out ripped them out <laughs> of their original things and he bound them together in his own book. It was mm-hmm. his book of Sith. It was Palpatine's book of Sith. You know, like it's because it, Sith are all about themselves. You know, they're not about passing on their knowledge to the future generations it's about me 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 right. so it was it was his so if it, the, my favorite thing about book of sith is if you buy it and you look at the, the pages each section that palpitate ripped out and bound together is printed on different paper mm-hmm. you know uh, certain ones have like squared off paper and some ones have like rough around the edges paper and certain jagged, ones
0: yeah
1: you know it's a jagged paper and, it, and it's very much uh trying to sell this illusion that this really is a um an artifact you know and it's not perfect i mean obviously we have a copyright page on there and and so on but as much as we can we really tried to make these books feel like they were props almost mm-hmm. from the star wars universe and and you you know this is be something that you know could be in if you you know magically could step in through the movie screen you know that this might be something you would find
0: right yeah, if you were a character in Star Wars and you were, you all of a sudden, you know, Palpatine's dead. You come across this book and you're like, "Hey, what is this?" And then you kind of continue on that path. That'd be that'd be you know the ideal situation, right? What you want to see in the new movie, obviously, is Kylo Ren carrying around the Book of Sith, quote, right? Am, am, am I mistaken?
1: <laughs> that would that would be amazing. I would be so happy if that. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not I'm not holding my my breath, but uh, but that would be amazing. <laughs>
0: So I know, so Star Wars books aside, you've done these three, or sorry, four great Star Wars books. I only have three of my, I need to get the Bounty Hunter one still. And with these ones, at least for the Book of Sith and the Jedi Path, you had the, uh, they were originally released with these, these encasings, I guess you can call them, uh, that had like these little lights and buttons and it would release the books out. Those were really, really well done as well. Did you have any input or thought on those?
1: Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. A, a lot of people who are buying these books now buy the the trade editions or the regular book editions, where it's just a book, and it's it's a great book. <laughs> but you know, there was um, basically with all four of these, originally first release was only available for a year in these deluxe. Vault editions. I think we called them Vault editions, but for a year they were only available in these Vault editions, and then after a year they were made available in regular book editions. And for the Jedi Path, it was this uh, case, and so you would push on. It was a big plastic sort of silvery case, and then uh, it's it's huge, you know. And you bring it out and you 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 know activate it and you push a button and it goes, and the, the little and it splits down the middle and the two halves separate slowly and this light pulses is sort of blue light. And it makes this little noise and the book rises from the inside of this vault. And it's this is really cool. Like, Oh my God, like mm-hmm. seriously. And, um, and it costs, it costs a lot of money because you're, you're buying that. But, um, the other fun part about the vault editions was that we could put souvenirs in there. So, um, In the Jedi Path, for example, when you actually bought that edition... And you took the book out, you would find that there were little keepsakes that were sort of tucked into the pages. You know, like, like uh, you know, your grandmother might put a flower in between pages of a book to sort of like press it or something like that. The idea was that, that the previous owners of the Jedi Path book had put had put stuff in there. So there's lots of fun stuff. There's a patch, it was like a Starfighter patch, and there's a metal coin that was a Jedi medallion, and there was a Padawan braid. Uh, you know, that was, you know, when the Padawans become knights, they, they, they cut off the braid. Right. And so that was pressed between the pages. And then there was my favorite one was a, uh, a napkin, what Obi-Wan uh, had visited Dexter, Dexter's diner, you know, and, and so he got a paper napkin from Dexter's diner and he was like doodling on it and like designing a, a doodle for a new lightsaber. <laughs> um, and he put it in the pages, you know, like these are really fun things. So the, the whole idea of the vault and the collectibles is something that was a lot of fun. I did, you know, I did have a hand in that because I had to sort of come up with um, particularly the removables. So, like, what kind of things could we include? And then for the, the Book of Sith, that one was even crazier. That was like a pyramid and you would push a button and and the, uh, the book would sort of slowly slide out. And um, we had removables in there. We had this... Uh, sort of like this compass and, and this, uh, uh, scrap of like, uh, burial wrappings and all kinds of crazy st- uh, lightsaber crystal, red lightsaber crystal was in there and, uh, fun stuff. And basically, um, when we released these, I was always kind of like, geez, I don't know. You know, I, I, I was sort of skeptical a little bit because I was thinking to myself, like, people who want to read books probably just want to read books and people who want to have collectibles probably just want to have collectibles. You probably don't want to mix the worlds, but actually I was wrong. A lot of people like, um, especially star Wars fans, they like to read, but they also like to collect. Mm-hmm. So the vault editions were very popular. People really like that. But then there were some people who were like, yeah, you know, that's not really my thing. I really like just books. I just want to have book on my bookshelf. I don't want to have a whole, you know, giant thing. And so, therefore, we also have the the book editions, and those have also proven very popular. So, um, you know, Star Wars is one of those things where you you do have certain uh, stripes of fans who who like, uh, you know, they like to collect. They like merchandise. And you have other ones who like like to read, and, you know, they're more about the story. So um, I think we've at least been able to cover off both both factions uh, so far
0: yeah and i think you did a, a really good job like you know describing that you know the collectors that like to have the books as opposed to the ones who have it on the on the sh- you know the, the display piece right but i think that you you nailed it on the head when you said you know star wars fans we like to have both <laughs> we want the best of both worlds uh and so that's why these books with these vault editions are actually really cool to have uh, and I was just kind of looking them up on Amazon now and they they are pretty hard to get a hold of now if you didn't get the first uh, first editions of them especially the the book of sith one it looks like it, it is a little difficult to get a hold of
1: i I think it is because i I don't know I don't know how many of these they're still making and and uh and I, I mean if people haven't seen them like I described the Jedi one but the Sith one was a pyramid and and it had this really cool like uh uh you know extension mechanism and then the bounty hunter one was sort of like a lock box. It looked like a little bit like a like a like an ammo box or something like that that Boba Fett would have had. And you had to you have to push a button to like unlock it. And then you have to activate you have to remove a key card you have to put a key card in there to activate the second lock. You know, like it like the idea was that Boba Fett would have so many safeguards <laughs> on his stuff that, you know, you had to like make it past two locks, so we we kind of like put in like redundancies in there because um, that's how it would work. And then and then the uh, the Imperial Handbook also has one uh, where it's a very sleek black you know, very well put together little thing. And it has, it's, it's black and it's shiny and has a big Imperial logo in the center. And you push a button and it just goes, and it just instantly splits down the middle and it just splits in half. Just, just instantly. And then you can remove the book. And then underneath the book is a metal, a metal, um, pin. It's a, a metal, a metal (laughs) Medal uh, no. <laughs> that is that is a, uh, a sort of a Imperial Order of Glory like like a, a award you know like a like a commendation from the Imperial military for you who is the the newly commissioned officer who is receiving this if you know the idea I I thought was like that the Empire would issue this Imperial handbook to newly commissioned officers in the Imperial service and and so they would receive sort of this you know, this vault, uh, as, you know, it would be sent to them as some sort of like, uh, pod, you know, you'd open it up and, oh, Hey, here's a thing. You push the button and it's split open. And then here's your Imperial handbook. It tells you all about the thing. It's kind of like congr- congratulations on, you know, on your promotion. And then here's your, here's your, uh, insignia or something like that. So it's a lot of fun, you know? And, uh, these, you know, it is, it is, it's really fun because this is the first books that I've ever done for Star Wars that actually are also collectibles. And so I've had a hand in like trying to come up with what the collectibles are going to be and what they might look like and which ones we can include and which ones we can't, which was also kind of fun because I I remember I came up with all these ideas for Book of Sith and, um, you know, there are certain realities to what you can and you can't do. Like one of the ideas for Book of Sith I, I thought would be a lot of fun was, what if we had like a little vial and it had some sort of liquid in it? And then we said that this was like a Sith poison or something <laughs> like that. And I thought it'd be cool. You know, I thought that's really cool. And they, and the uh, Becker and Mayer came back and they're like, there's no way we can include a mysterious liquid and ship it inter- internationally. <laughs> you know, you have no idea how many like customs violations you would be doing with that. So that is right out. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is various things like that. And like, um, I think it was a funny story with a Jedi path where I was talking about that napkin that Obi-Wan was doodling on. There was something like we, there's like a new version of that or, or they had to come up with, the first printing of that had a napkin in it, and then the second printing, they the supplier that was in – I think it was a Chinese company that was making the napkins for them went out of business or something like that. So there's actually another edition of the vault edition where the napkin has been replaced with like a little uh, menu from <laughs> – from Dexter's diner, instead of a napkin it was a menu or something like that but it's, it's like these crazy stories i don't even know if i have a copy of that but they were telling me the story that um you know you're to some degree you're you know we're trying to keep up this illusion of it being from a galaxy far far away but we're also dealing with the realities of sourcing materials from china you know
0: mhm that's pretty funny and well and do you said that you don't even know if you have the the copy of the menu that's kind of funny because if you know, people are buying this book today that has that new edition and they get the mini version, then they can kind of understand that that's like a second printing type situation, right?
1: I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And and like I said, I I was hearing the story from the guys over at Becker and Mayer and they were telling me why it happened, but I don't. I think they sent me maybe a PDF of this menu or something. So, like, don't take my word for it because <laughs> I don't even know if I'm I'm the most reliable authority on this. But it was, but it's like one of these situations that crops up from time to time. Like, you just have to like kind of roll with the punches and say, all right, well, we can't do X, so now we're gonna do Y, and uh, the net result is pretty similar. But it 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 does make me want to. I, I'm starting to now that we're having this conversation. I'm starting to question why I don't have a copy of the one with the, with the menu. <laughs> like, surely I should have a copy of this one. So. Or they should have sent
0: you uh, at least a you yes, know a exactly. menu in the yes. mail.
1: Yes, exactly. I, I'm outraged. So <laughs> uh, that's my that's my it's uh, on my to-do list.
0: There you go. So aside from the Star Wars universe, which these books are are fantastic, and you've done actually other books in the Star Wars universe, but you've also done some books in this vein for different. Uh, other properties to uh, like Iron Man, right?
1: Yeah. I wrote a book called the Iron Man manual and it was very similar. Actually, it's, it's similar to the Jedi path in a lot of ways because it was the idea. Was it was a Iron Man manual meaning uh, What if there was sort of an official Stark industries document that was written about all the, uh, the stuff that happened in the Iron Man movies. So um, it's based on the Marvel cinematic universe. And, um, uh, it was original and it's sort of written by Jarvis basically. So it's like, talks about, you know, uh, Mr. Stark, you know, I am assembling this uh, dossier on all (laughs) the events that are related to so-and-so, you know? And so it was written sort of in universe. And then there's little, like the Jedi path, there's sort of like little removables and stuff like there's There's sticky notes in there that are written by Tony and there's other sticky notes in the, in the book that are written by Pepper. And there's like foldouts and, and there's like, uh, lots of stuff. And it was just really fun because it was about, um, all the suits, uh, and the, you know, the villains and the, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the innovations and, and, you know, Howard Stark and Tony Stark and that. But the best thing was, um, I think in, God, I can't remember now. It's, it's been a little bit since I saw Iron Man three, but I, I, I think the new suit that he has in Iron Man three is like the, the Mark 42 I think, so, you know, the Mark 1 is the one that he builds in the cave with scraps, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Mark 42, I think, is the uh, the, assemb- the self-assembling one from Iron Man 3. The golden and so one. The idea- <laughs> yeah, so the idea was, um, so which ones came in the middle? Because I think in the Avengers, he has Mark 7. And so it's like, all right, well, now we're missing, like, a huge amount of suits. And so the funnest thing of working on that book was getting from Marvel, like, what were the other designs, and we actually have all of them. You know, we have 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, twelve, thirteen, forty, fifteen, six, six, you know, all the way, all the way through Mark Forty Two. Like which ones they were, and what the differences were between them, and it, and it was just that was I, I love that because it was so comprehensive. I was just like, yes, we can finally like, you know, put a put a pin in it. This. Right. Is, these are the suits, you know. It was, it was so much fun.
0: Yeah, and that's a pretty impressive book too. That's a that's a bigger book, right? Um, more of a a bigger size than the like the Book of Sith was, correct?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It was a uh, you know an oversized sort of hardcover book, and uh, it came out I think two years ago. But I mean, yeah, it's current through the Iron Man continuity, which obviously they haven't made another Iron Man movie since then. But it had Iron Man one, two, three, and the Avengers in it so it was uh you know i'm I'm a huge fan of marvel comics in general and of the cinematic universe in particular and so i was uh i was super happy to work on that project it was just lots of fun
0: yeah so i i see like you have a lot of other books too that are from like you know there's one about the joker a visual history of the joker um what what is one of your most favorite books that you've been able to work on to put together
1: yeah that's a good question i mean um i'm actually gonna say one of the favorite books that i, I had the most fun on it came out fairly recently that i was kind of surprised uh, to work on was uh i wrote a book called the world according to spider-man and um <laughs> And it was this basic premise, like, they had this series of books, it was Inside Editions has a series of books that The World According to so-and-so, and, and they're comedy books, basically. So they have, like, The World According to Homer Simpson, you know, and it's like Homer Simpson's Guide to Life or something like that. And, <laughs> and you know, like they're these kind of funny books, you know, but they, they're based on things. And so they said, do you want to do The World According to Spider-Man? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to, because I love Spider-Man, but... I was also kind of intimidated, like, because it's supposed to be funny, you know. It's not just like, hey, here's Spider-Man's heroes and villains and so on. It's, you know, it's 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 basically what if Spider-Man, because Spider-Man's a funny guy, you know, like he's he's a Joker, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 what he has a sense of humor. And what if Spider-Man wrote a book about becoming a superhero, which is my my take on it was, you know, I. I when I told Inside Editions what my premise was, it was like, "What if Spider-Man had written a book about becoming a superhero for you, the reader? Like you're a new recruit, you know, you you just got your powers or whatever. So Spider-Man's gonna take you under his wing and tell you all about, you know, the kind of stuff that you need to know about. But he's gonna do it in a very sarcastic and sort of snarky, funny way. And um, and it was just super fun to do, and I I was really happy with the result of it, like. You know, it was just basically channeling Peter Parker, you know, Spider-Man voice for, like, all these, like, little funny things that are kind of, like, poking fun a little bit about the Marvel Universe, but also really reveling in it because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, like, like uh, treating it with sort of a fun sense of, you know, some of this stuff is kind of goofy, but it's also really fun and and pointing that out and... It was just it was just really fun. it was my favorite maybe one of my favorite things to work on because um in the course of writing and i, I just you know I, it was just really fun to sort of channel that and and explore a universe where um you know you uh you don't take it that seriously. I also did a similar book called the world According to Batman it was, <laughs> that was cool but it wasn't as much fun because Batman isn't the kind of character who's like, he's not, he's not making jokes. You know? Right. <laughs> like that, that book was a lot more straightforward, more, you
0: know? more brooding. Maybe
1: <laughs> exactly. Like Batman's take on like telling you about stuff is more like he's going to tell you about the information because he doesn't want you to die. You know, like <laughs> Spider-Man is just going to have fun with it. He's, he's going to play around and he's going to make jokes and he's, you know and so it was just it was just it was really fun and, and uh, uh, to this day that's still one of the, the most fun times I've had working on a book project.
0: That's great. So the world according to Spider-Man and the world according to Batman. So you obviously with those two you're on both the Marvel side and the DC side so you're able to play on both uh, both sides of the fences where as that goes And speaking as a comic fan, who might be your su- favorite superhero then? I, who do you lean more towards, like DC or Marvel?
1: That's a good question. I love both of them. I really do. Um, I would say that I, I, I think I have a little bit more skin in the game for DC just because I've always really liked the sense of history that they have. I mean, they are literally the company that created the American superhero um, in 1938, I mean, think about that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Thirty eight, you know. They've been doing it ever since, you know, Superman and and Batman came very soon after that. Have been published continuously for over seventy five years. That's crazy. So and I, I just have to give like tons of credit to that company just to be able to do that. That's 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 amazing. But I, I still love uh, of Marvel because um you know, they did such an amazing job in the 60s of coming in and you read the Marvel stories that were published in the 60s versus what DC was doing at the time and you're like, wow, this really was a revolutionary approach to storytelling. And, and, you know, the characters were so much more vibrant and and they would bicker and they would, you know, have fights and stuff like that. And and it took DC a while to catch up. And so um, at this point, you know, I, I... I I do not pit one company against the other company because I read them both and I like them both so much. So, um, uh, but yeah, if I had to say a favorite superhero is I, I, um, I still have a real soft spot and this is a thing, just my own personal preferences, but I really like the, the, you know, I love Batman. I love, you know, sort of the dark heroes and so on. But I really love the superhero archetype that is the larger than life sort of standing for something very noble and, and bigger than themselves that they sort of stand up and fight for. Like, I, I really, I'm mean, just a sucker for that archetype. So, in the realm of, of, of DC, uh, my favorite superhero is Superman. And in the realm of Marvel, my favorite superhero is Captain America, and I think both of those heroes are cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they 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 are the leaders. They are the heroes that the other heroes look up to because they they stand for something bigger than them, themselves. And um, you know, if you had to if you had to have a you know superhero battle royale, you know, who would lead the DC side and who would lead the Marvel side? I think almost everybody would say, well, it would be Cap. And it would be Superman, you know, because they, you know, they, they, they are the, you know, quintessential superhero in, in, in that sense. And so I, I, I love that. I just like those two characters. I, I like the, I like where they come from. I like their backgrounds and I, I like what they can uh, stand for when they're in the hands of a really good writer.
0: Yeah. So when you look at, you know, Captain America or, Superman, like you said, he, they, they really are more the moral centers because you have like, you know, Batman who's he can't be a moral center. And you have someone like, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man on the Marvel side and you just see the character flaws there that always come through. But, yeah, he, like you said, they're they're kind of like the centers and the leaders that would emerge if there was ever that, you know, secret war type scenario, you know, type situation. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you need those kind of characters too. Like, you need a Iron Man, you need a Batman, you need those kind of characters. I love those characters too. I, I mean, I completely love them. But you also don't want to have. That's why I like Captain America, and I like um, and I like Superman because I, you need to have them to sort of prop up the tent. Like, you can't have the other characters existing within the tent without those characters who are, who are up there, you know, upholding that. Like if you try to create your own universe, you did not have a cap or a Superman. I don't think you could really have an enjoyable thing where everybody was, you know, everybody was sort of like this sort of flawed or morally ambiguous thing. Like, I I think you need to have these sort of like, um, you know, not to say that Superman or, or Captain America isn't flawed in some way, but, but they're they're very they're very uh, old fashioned, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 I think it works especially for Cap and Superman because he, you remember Superman was created in 1938 and Captain America was created in 1940, so these are literally characters who are older than like your grandparents, uh-huh. you know. But I, but I think that's why they're that's why I love them because they're still around, you know, and and there's there's this sort of like old fashioned. Uh, Uh, Morality to them, which I'm not saying is is the way to go, but I'm saying it's great to have that as a as a point on a continuum, and say, well, these guys are here, right? So then you're also you're ambiguous care You have your Batman and he's here, and you can have your Deadpool and he's over here, you know. Mm -hmm. But you can relate everybody else in relation to them. And I think that makes your whole superhero morality, you know, alignment chart uh, much, much, much more interesting because you have somebody that you can sort of – you have a true north almost Mm
0: -hmm. uh,
1: from an alignment standpoint.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you should uh, do another book that's like, you know – it would be maybe shield and it's by captain america his book about how to do this and that kind of like a a handbook like the the jedi path but then you have markings by tony like oh this guy here not not that that be i think that'd be a great idea you should, you should uh, work on that one
1: that, that was great i would love to work on that actually <laughs> speaking of captain america i did um just finish up a uh, there there's going to be a captain america um guide Uh, Not a guide, but like a character book. Um, I wrote a book called uh, Superman, uh, The Ultimate Guide to the Man of Steel. And I wrote a book about Batman called Batman, The World of the Dark Knight. And they're published by DK. And they're sort of uh, character guides to the characters themselves. And uh, I just finished up a Captain America version of the same thing. Uh, I co-wrote it with Matt Manning and uh, Matt Forbeck. And it should be out early next year. So um, that's just uh, while we're on the subject of Captain America. Absolutely. Uh, that is coming out uh, early 2016, as far as I know, maybe spring of next year. And uh, and that was uh, that was also super fun to work on because, like I said, Cap is probably my favorite Marvel character.
0: Yeah, and that'll be just in time for Captain America 3 Civil War.
1: I can't wait! I'm that'd so be, excited. I, I I was uh, I loved the first one, and then the second one was even better. I was mm-hmm. like, "You gotta be kidding me! How did they, you know?" Uh, but yeah, I as a as a literally a lifelong Captain America fan, I I could not be happier with the movies. I. I first one I was like oh my god they're actually going to make a period piece that's mm-hmm. you know good on them you know
0: Joe and Johnson the second, was brilliant for that
1: yeah I was I was so happy that they literally made a period piece you know like I thought there's no way they, you know they'll update it for modern times or something there's no way they're going to do literally do the World War Two thing and they did and I'm so happy and then the second one was just I was like, okay, well, now he's in the modern times. Maybe it'll be kind of lame. And it was like, that was the best spy movie I think I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You know, Like, it was like the best James Bond movie I've I've seen in years. So, um, yeah, I I can't wait for uh, Civil War.
0: Yeah. I mean, like you said, how can they top it, right? Well, I guess they got to bring in Iron Man now. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, Dan, I, again, I want to thank you for taking some time and, and chatting with us. Is there anything else that you have uh, done recently that maybe people could look you up for?
1: Yeah, I uh, the I, because it's going to be in the news uh, pretty soon, um, I have written the official um, making-of book for the new Warcraft movie. Uh-huh. So there is a new Warcraft movie coming out next year um, directed by Duncan Jones, who directed the movie Moon. Um, and, um, I worked with, uh, inside editions on writing the official art of making of a book that's going to be coming out for that. So hopefully, uh, within the next week or so, I'm expecting to see sort of layouts for that. Cause I'm going to write captioning and so on. I can't wait to get that because it means I'm going to get, see all the imagery from the movie. <laughs> um, they, uh, I think, uh, as of, uh, the time that we're recording this right now, I think the official trailer is going to be released later this week. Yeah, uh, but this should be a really amazing movie. I mean, um, I'm a fan of of Warcraft. I'm a fan. Of, I used to play World of Warcraft a lot. Um, and when they approached me to work on this book, I was super excited. Um, and uh, I, you know, talked to Duncan Jones. I talked to all the cast members. I talked to all the people over Blizzard. Um, I talked to, you know, the dialogue coaches. You know, I talked to the art production design i think I, I conducted almost like between 30 to 40 40 interviews to to do this book and um uh including a lot of people over at ilm who worked on the motion capture for the orcs and uh i really i have not seen the final footage but from everybody that i talked to i just get this really solid sense that the uh this is really something that is just going to be just a. uh astonishing you know to 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 look at yeah Uh, and so i i I can't wait i've read the script i i think it's i think it's a really great solid story and a really really compelling introduction to this universe and uh my hope is that this becomes the cornerstone of like a, a whole franchise so uh you know fingers crossed
0: yeah yeah i've heard nothing but like good praise coming out of it and you know they the technology that they've used to to create the effects that they have it's it's been a long time coming but i think it's going to be great when it actually does arrive
1: yep i can't wait
0: all right well dan i know uh i promised you just a short little bit here so i want to make sure i respect your time and i want to make sure that uh you get a chance to get some sleep this evening because i know that it's about almost 11 o'clock in the central time zone where we're at so i want to thank you again for coming on
1: Alright, well hey, thanks, it was great talking to you
0: Yeah, you as well And dear listener, if you want to check out some of Dan Wallace's uh, amazing books You can look him up on Amazon He has a little bookstore there I can check out some of his uh, great Star Wars books As well as the other ones that we've mentioned here tonight You can follow Dan Wallace on Twitter At DanWall88 And you can follow the show on Twitter EntertainingPod You can shoot the show an email That's entertaining at gmail.com And you can follow me on Twitter. I am at SithNightmare. On behalf of Dan and myself, we thank you for listening this week, and we hope that you have been entertained.